Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Well, I'm sure you all saw and heard Donald Trump speaking to the UN this week. Many of the UN leaders laughed in his face when he did his usual boasty, boasty routine. And I've been playing the clip to my daughters all week and we crack up every time. Uh, now, Donald has said that he thinks the UN were laughing with him and not at him, but we disrespectfully disagree. Here's Donald being laughed at by the UN to cheer up your Thursday. In less than two years, my administration has accomplished more than almost any administration in the history of our country. America's so true. (laughs) Didn't expect that reaction, but that's okay. You're listening to the Irish Times Women's Podcast. I'm Roisin Ingle. We're going to stay with America to bring you some news that's uh, relevant to women, as we've been doing lately. And this week, more women have come out with allegations of assault against Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh. And today, Thursday, Christine Blasey Ford, the California professor who has accused the Supreme Court nominee of sexually assaulting her when they were teenagers at school, will tell the US Senate Judiciary Committee that she will never forget what happened to her at a Maryland house party nearly 36 years ago. As you know, Kavanaugh's nomination to the Supreme Court hangs in the balance and he and Ford are going to deliver totally opposing accounts at the extraordinary hearing as fresh accusations of sexual misconduct and contradictory charges swirl around. Um, Ford is going to tell them that she doesn't have all the answers and that she doesn't remember as much as she would like to. But she's also going to say that the details about that night that bring me here today are ones I will never forget. I just want to remind you of her testimony. She calls Kavanaugh the boy who sexually assaulted me, ruling out any suggestion that she may be confusing him with another person. Uh, But late on Wednesday night, the Senate Judiciary Committee released a timeline to all staff activity in response to the allegations against Kavanaugh. The summary disclosed that staff have interviewed two different men who each told investigators he, not Judge Kavanaugh, had the encounter with Dr. Ford in the summer of 1982 that is the basis of our allegation. The committee did not identify the men. In her testimony, Ford describes the night of the assault, stating... I believed he was going to rape me. She also explains the winding path that began with a letter to her congresswoman and an anonymous tip to the Washington Post and resulted in her stepping forward publicly and agreeing to testify on Capitol Hill. She says, I am here today, not because I want to be. I am terrified, she's going to say. I am here because I believe it's my civic duty to tell you what happened to me while Brett Kavanaugh and I were in high school. And I think we're all going to listen quite closely to that and see how it all pans out. (music) 
In Cork this week, there's been disturbing news about young women being sexually assaulted, uh, with Mary Crilly of the Cork Sexual Violence Centre saying that Guardian Cork need more resources to investigate sexual assaults and rapes, which tend to increase during the early autumn months when third-level colleges reopen, according to her. She said three young female students from UCC and CIT had contacted them since the start of September to say that they'd been raped. Two of the three had dropped out of their courses to return home to their families. And Crilly said that an American study had found that more freshers were sexually assaulted and raped from September to November when some are attending parties and often drinking for the first time. She also said that the Cork Sexual Violence Centre notices a similar increase in young women contacting them when UCC and CIT return. But often the young women may not have been drinking. And in one of the recent cases, the attack happened in the woman's own building. She said that often the young women will not report the matter because they've been drinking and as a consequence blame themselves for the attack and sometimes they will not even tell their families because their parents do not know that they drink. It's so worrying and um, just a reminder, I think, that we need more resources in this area, not less resources, which seems unfortunately to be the trend at the moment. I can't quite believe... I can say this, but today the government, the cabinet, will approve the legislation to provide for legal abortion in Ireland and it will then be introduced to the Dáil next week by the Minister for Health, Simon Harris. The legislation, which will mirror the draft legislation published before the abortion referendum in May, will provide for legal abortion without restrictions up to 12 weeks and in specified circumstances thereafter. It will be called the Health Regulation of Termination of Pregnancy Bill 2018. After 12 weeks, abortion will be legal where there is serious risk to the mother's life or health or when there is a diagnosis of fatal fetal abnormality. It's just amazing to me that we're actually here. So much work went into it over decades. There's women who are no longer with us um, who have campaigned so hard on this and obviously there's all the people who did so much in more recent years and one of those is with us today to talk about the 7th March for Choice which is happening on Saturday and I hope you're all going to go along. It's going to be it's going to be a celebration but I suppose it's also going to be a, a remembrance of, of those women who aren't here and of people like Savita who galvanised so many people to get involved in the campaign. So we're going to be talking to Sarah about the march and later on I have an interview with Charlotte Tilbury who some of you will know is a sort of a makeup I don't know what would you call her makeup queen makeup guru definitely someone who has a lot of knowledge and her products um, have become quite the sensation she was a makeup artist to the stars then she started to produce her own line of makeup and it has just taken off she was in Brown Thomas at their style summit I went along to interview her and I'm going to bring you that and details of how you can win tickets to some brilliant events happening in the style summit as well but first of all Here's Sarah Monaghan, who was appointed co-convener of the abortion rights campaign in November 2017, following four years of volunteer work with that campaign, where she was responsible for regional support and developing a network of regional ARC groups across the country. So Sarah came in to tell us all about the 7th March for Choice, which is going to be quite different to the ones that came before. 
Sarah, the march on Saturday. And some people might be saying, but we repealed. Why do we need to go marching? <laughs> yes, we did repeal the Eighth Amendment, uh, which is a tremendous uh, achievement. Yes, and it took every one of us across the country to get it over the line. Um, so firstly, we'll be taking a moment to celebrate that and acknowledge the work that was done. I mean, we asked so much of people. People gave so much um, for that campaign, uh, not only in that six months of, of the, the referendum lead up, but uh, in the years previous and the decades previous. So um, we have a lot to celebrate. Uh, in, in that first uh, huge hurdle but it's not over unfortunately I, I wish I could say we could all retire now Yeah I saw um, Professor <laughs> Fiona Delandres and she was making the point that um, actually getting it repealed is, was like sort of 10% of the work yes. and that, that made me a bit weary because I feel like that was a lot oh, of work I know, believe and 90% me, I of the work is, is to be done so maybe put that in context a bit Yeah I think that's uh, it's very accurate and it's a good way of putting it even though the repeal of the 8th was so significant obviously there was no change uh, without repealing without removing it from um, the constitution, the, a lot of the work lies in the legislation and then more so even in the implementation. So we're now entering into that stage. So in ways we're starting the journey now of, of seeing real access across Ireland. So um, at the moment, obviously, it's being debated in Cabinet today um, and will be um, debated in, in, in uh, the Houses next week. So once that process has been finalised, um, it will come down to implementation and that's where it's down to medical guidelines um, and this is where we have to be very, very careful now uh, that things are done correctly because we were unlikely to get a second uh, chance at this. So what is laid down um, in those medical gui- guidelines and in those implementation guidelines is extremely important um, so that we can actually ensure real access um, to people across Ireland. So in terms of things like t- conscientious objection, waiting periods, um, we will be pushing back heavily on all of these. These are barriers to, to access um, and this is our chance now to push back on it. So it's, it's vitally important that people are still engaged with the issue and all those people who have already given so much and we really do course understand that we're all very tired <laughs> I don't want to hear the word abortion yeah, ever again I know I know um, and I think we were, we're all a little bit uh, weary battle um, weary, <laughs> battle weary yeah. exactly but now it's crucial um, that, that the government are still very much aware that we're here um, that we, we haven't we haven't gone away we haven't forgotten we've been fighting for this for an awful long time way too long so any f- further delays to implementation are really an insult to the, the massive yes majority that we, we um, achieved in May so crucial that we got that big kind of landslide you know that it wasn't a small vote because there could be so much more difficulties now at this stage couldn't there? Absolutely it was a very strong mandate uh, to the government it was very very clear what the people wanted um, going forward Um, they voted they voted yes and they voted for for choice and they voted to to respect um, women's choices Um, so we just need to see that now uh, written into the legislation and then into the the medical guidelines. Can you talk a little bit about the waiting period because this is something that's coming up quite a bit the three day waiting period and why that's a barrier and I suppose what's from Simon Harris's point of view he's been saying very clearly that this is what was put to the people and this is the legislation we said would come in and that's what the people voted for so he's kind of seems to be reluctant to to sort of meddle with that but just explain to us what that issue is Sure so I mean the, the three day waiting period um, is is a barrier to access so in terms of all of the barriers that already exist um, to, to procuring uh, abortion in Ireland that will even under the, the new legislation under the repeal of the Eighth Amendment um, we're looking at um, geographical barriers so how close are you to a doctor if we ca- couple that with uh, conscientious objection how close are you then to a doctor who will actually provide care um, for you and hasn't um, conveniently objected uh, to uh, doing so. Um, 
are you then expected to travel to that GP for, for miles? I mean, I'm from the country myself. It isn't, you know, there's no public transport. Um, it, it can be a, a significant barrier uh, to access. So you expected to travel once and then three days later travel again. So there, there are a variety of, of restrictions already on, on, on people. I mean, if you're talking about people um, with disabilities, may have um, restrictions to their mobility. If you're people with financial restrictions, um, that may not be able to, to, may not drive and may not be able to afford the, the multiple uh, trips to a doctor um, people in situations of domestic abuse and violence um, that may have only one chance to get out of their, their house to, to um, secure um, access to abortion care um, and fundamentally you know it, it is in, it is uh, insulting we feel to women you know these are very considered uh, serious decisions that, that women make and that they're more than capable of making um, and I think that three day waiting period is arbitrary um, it's it's a, an, an um, unnecessary delay um, to a decision that's, that women have already come to have already considered all of their options they've weighed up their, their own lives their own choices their own existing families a lot of the time um, and they've decided that this is what um, is best for them at that time and a three day waiting period is you know is, is, is not necessary uh, for them to reflect further um, on yeah. that decision. Having been there myself, I totally concur yeah, with everything absolutely. you said. Um, the other thing, and I think it's important, and it's something that some people don't necessarily get on board with, but there's a really important aspect uh, around language too, isn't there? Sure. And how people who need abortions are described because with the Gender Recognition yeah. Bill, as we know, it isn't, it's mostly women and let's be honest, it's the vast majority of people mm-hmm. who are going to access these services are women. Yeah. But there's also uh, trans men who who also will, will have the possibility of getting pregnant. And so is that important then in the legislation to put that in? Yes, absolutely. Um, and we, we call for it in our own policy submission uh, to the government. Um, we, we do have assurances that I, I, I hope that it will become um, a reality that it will be gender neutral language um, obviously you know we've been making strides in this country uh, you know on this issue for, for many years now so it would be terrible to see this as, as an omission on something so important um, and So as what would say, you what do you want to have in the So it really pregnant people should be the term that is used um, throughout uh, the legislation um, and especially in light of the Gender Recognition Act um, of a few years ago um, so we would be hopeful and, and, and certainly pushing to see that uh, written in as pregnant people rather than women. What do you say to people who feel by the pregnant people thing that, that women are being erased, that the kind of the whole idea of womanhood and this is a very much a women's issue is being sort of, you know, sidelined? Yeah, well, I mean, I think this is this is about autonomy and this is about bodily autonomy. And, and the reality is that this affects um, uh, trans men and women and, and that, you know, that that is the case. And I think erasing you know, one section of, of of the people who can become pregnant um, is not the way forward. That's that's not quality. That's not autonomy. Um, we can do better than that, and we've been doing better than that. So let's continue okay. to do so. Well, listen. Let's talk about the march. Um, sure. So a big celebration in in one way, but as you say, like to start this kind of other work and this other vigilance almost that yeah. we kind of need to keep our eyes on exactly what's going on. We can't take our eye off the ball. You know, the prize has been won to a degree, yeah. but it's also about keeping it going. But what's going to happen on Saturday? And what's the, what's, so what's your on, on, on Saturday, um, uh, this is our seventh uh, annual March for Choice now. Well Hard done, to believe. By the, way, <laughs> to, to the abortion rights campaign for everything you've Thank done. You, You're a big actually. part in Thank it. You. It's amazing. Um, so we're still going. We're still here, just about uh, a bit afraid around the edges, but uh, holding it together. Um, so this is our seventh annual March for Choice on this Saturday, September 29th. So we'll be kicking off as usual from the Garden of Remembrance at 2 p.m. Um, and we'll be making our way to Marion Square to the back of Leinster House. Um, 
um, and we'll be having our usual lineup of speakers there. We're giving platform to um, a variety of, of voices. Um, we try to give that platform to those who do not usually get it. So those from from um, marginalised communities and those who, who are not usually given the chance to speak on an issue that is very important to them, very much affects their communities. Um, so, yeah, we hope that there'll be a great turnout. Um, if anyone wants to get involved in helping us with the last few bits of organising and the organising on the day, they are so welcome to do so. Um, as, I, as I said, the fight just isn't over and, you know, we're down to a, a very skeleton staff uh, of volunteers in the abortion rights campaign at the moment. So if anyone who worked so hard over during the referendum wants to keep with us and finish out the job we started. Uh, so very, you need help, very, basically. Oh, Where can do. people get in touch? Is there an so email? If you, yes, if you visit either our social media or our website, you'll see a form for volunteering with uh, the Abortion Rights Campaign. Okay. So it's Campaign.ie. Sarah, I'm really looking forward to just the posters. Have you heard any good slogans or anything? Because it's going to be a very different tone, I'd I know. imagine. You I, know? Mean, I, I really think... This, this, I mean, they're always really good quality. Um, yes, yes. Like, I suppose one of the perennials is the keep your rosaries off my ovaries Absolutely, but I mean that's yeah. all gone their rosaries are off our ovaries I and, know we've, we've, you know it's it's like a big mind uh, melt to yeah. sort of what are we going to say on the posters so we've had to we've, yeah we've had to shift that around a bit <laughs> um, definitely uh, the yeah um, what we want repeal the 8th is is, 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 is gone um, so it'll be very interesting to see I'm also looking forward to see what people come up with people are always so creative so inventive more creative than I ever I could be so I always look at it and go oh, come yeah. up with amazing things um, so I mean although you know and a lot of it, though, at the moment, bar repeal, nothing has changed. So, you know, a lot of the don't make unnecessary journeys. Women are still making those journeys uh, every single day. So in ways, you know, so much has changed and yet so much uh, it has remained the same. Um, so you might see some of the old favourites uh, yeah. coming back. And the other thing, chance. the other thing that will be interesting is the turnout, because, I mean, uh, you know, certainly from personal point of view, the last few marches have felt so important to be sure. there and for the visibility and to show that there's that strength in numbers yeah. and, and to show the government that this is, is how, so important to so many people. But I wonder, will people kind of feel like, ah, yeah, I mean, I could go out, but actually, you know, we've won it now. We won't bother. I'm, I'm, what do you think? Have you got any uh, feelers out to see yeah, what the numbers I mean, I, I think that that is a, a danger. I think that, you know, the other danger is that people are exhausted, but we are we are wholeheartedly um, appealing to people to, to make it out on Saturday. This isn't over yet. You know, nothing has uh, in, in practice changed just yet. So hang in there, you know, do, do at least one more <laughs> march with us. Um, it's really important that we have a strong, strong presence on yeah. the streets on Saturday um, that we are still here demanding change and that we're, we're celebrating and, and these are the people, the people who have marched with us in previous years. Uh, we had 40,000 people at the March for Choice last year. Th- those are the people that changed Ireland. Uh, the, you know, they are the people that led from the, the ground up uh, the grassroots across Ireland in every little town and village uh, that, that made this happen and they, they should know that and own it and, and march for it on Saturday. That's very good uh, motivation. And the other thing I'm just thinking as you're speaking is it's like you said, you know, on Saturday and today, nine people, ten people will still be travelling to England. Yeah. So that we can we can march for those people who are still having to go through this. And also yeah. we can remember Savita. We can remember all the other women who have been affected over mm-hmm. the years by this. So there's still that kind of sense of remembrance and commemoration of of women who weren't alive in the time, yeah. the time that we're alive in now, which is um, so special and important. Absolutely. Yeah, I think we have a, you know, we have a responsibility to those women of, of the past, you know, the 
present and future. But, you know, to, to remember those of, of the past that the, the repeal did not come quick enough for um, and that we hope things will be better in the future. But we need to make that happen. We'll, we need to be the driving change behind that. Before you go, just want to ask you about Together for Yes, because, sure. you know, as you know, more than most and we all know who were involved in it, there was a lot of criticism. There was a lot of, well, the tone policing was off the off the charts. The kind of idea of Together for Yes didn't know what they were doing or it was like it wasn't, you know, because it wasn't non-hierarchical. It was very, it was a very different setup to, to most, you know, campaigns that people are used to seeing. So all that kind of criticism and kind of curiosity about it, uh, obviously it won and, and exactly what you set out to do happened. So is it interesting looking back to see, to, I mean, there must be a certain amount of, you know, feeling quite pleased with with yes, yourselves. Yes, I mean, I think it's always interesting looking back. It isn't, isn't you know, retrospect is a great thing. Um, uh, when you're in it, it it's, it's slightly different. And, and um, you know, yes, there was a, certainly a lot of, of tone policing, a lot of... Uh, Wailing concerns of, about the lack of leadership, but really, when you when you dissected that, it generally came down to the fact that it was led by women uh, in yes. its absolute entirety. I didn't really understand uh, that, and also yeah. I think there was three. I think it was three women. That three, was the really three, weird thing. Three, what do you mean? Three co-directors, three you know, a, a female um, <laughs> campaign manager, communications manager, to mention entirely Nora female and campaign, well. and, and then you know across Ireland, this was led by by women. Every local group, you know, was 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 led by by women who had been fighting you know, everything in for this for years. And I think that was really hard to take. And I think it was a slightly different way of, of running a campaign. And it turned out it was extremely successful. Um, so really, we're just waiting for people to be knocking on the door to, to ask uh, how we did it. But <laughs> we may be waiting. I wonder why they haven't done that so far. It's, isn't it it's, interesting? It's funny, Roshan, isn't it? <laughs> That's a whole other podcast. Yeah. But I do think that's interesting. Sometimes people just don't want to. People are don't like change they like things to stay yeah. exactly the way they are but we're not in that business really are we not so much we're, we're in quite the opposite business yeah yeah promoting okay. change Sarah I think it's going to be a fantastic event thank um, you it's great to talk to you today like you say when it's being debated um, in the Dáil and so much of it is actually going to become a reality soon but like you say need to be very vigilant make yes. sure that all, all the things are right because we only get this chance absolutely and yeah yeah. and if it's something that we've learned from, from our international colleagues of that this is our chance and we'll be defending this whatever legislation we do get written in and, and we'll be defending that for a long time as well as we've learned from other countries so and just then that you mentioned road. you mentioned other countries I mean I think again that's really important to remember that there are still countries fighting for this and also countries looking to Ireland and seeing what we achieved yes. um, and that we are this beacon I think that we've been described by that from you know yes equality and this referendum that we are kind of like a good example to the world that look you can change things sure, sure. yeah no absolutely and I mean I, I visited the Philippines um, earlier in the summer uh, for, for a reproductive rights conference and uh, there were delegates there from, from all over the world and I have to say until I walked into that room it hadn't quite I hadn't quite grasped just how big of an effect we have had internationally, just how much it means uh, to our international colleagues. But as soon as I walked into that room, it, it hit me in the face, you know, the weight of it, of of what we have done about what it means to to, to um, our international colleagues because this is an, an international fight. This it, We are just, you know, we're sisters united on this across the world. Um, this, this issue doesn't have uh, borders, you know, just just like we'll be standing, you know, in solidarity with our... our, our um, 
colleagues in the north, this, this transcends across the world, and it's important to remember that and, and to know that we've we've we have given that little glimmer of hope um, to countries who have been battling under the same very similar regimes uh, or worse for for a long time. And I presume and I hope there'll be people coming from the north because that's the other big thing on this island that we still yes. have to sort out. Absolutely, yes. I, I mean, mean it's, it's it's outrageous. The great um, thing that happened is that they, the women don't have to pay now when yeah. they go to the NHS, but it's still the huge thing about leaving your country to, to go to another jurisdiction to you know. uh, absolutely yes and you know going forward we'll be continuing to work with with our, our colleagues in Alliance for Choice um, in, in Belfast and Derry and we will have them uh, down on Saturday and we'll have some speakers uh, from Alliance for Choice Brilliant delighted, delighted to, to hear that yeah. too listen it's been great talking to you it feels like kind of a little bit of a mini celebration <laughs> again I think that's what Saturday is going to be a little do over again of the of May 25th when we were all so joyous and excited yeah, even though yeah. some people told us we weren't supposed to well, be well exactly and I think that's happy. why it's really important that we have that celebration before we even one we were told not to celebrate I so I'll tell you we'll be shouting on Saturday funny? <laughs> I think we will be shouting yeah, we won't be yeah. listening to anybody but thank you so much Sarah thanks thank again you and for I'm, having I just me. need to say that again to the abortion rights campaign have been so there from the beginning and so inclusive as well which is always the thing that you do and also to the Together for Yes uh, campaign which you were so central to as well um, and to everybody involved I think Saturday's is going to be a great expression of a brilliant brilliant um, campaign Thank you Roshan thanks very much that was Sarah Monaghan there. And I think this Saturday at that march, it's going to be quite the event. Uh, and I just want to say as well, big thank you to people like Alva Smith um, and Oral O'Connor in the National Women's Council and Simon Harris, Leo Varadkar. And so many people made this happen. But as Sarah said, it really was ultimately a grassroots movement led by women and Although some people might not like to dwell on that point, I think it's an important one. And also Sarah's point about the non-hierarchical nature of the um, of the campaign and the fact that it was led by three women and that it was a, it was a very different style of campaign than what we've been used to is something that we should remember and that could be of use to other people. Um, in the future. Anyway, I think that March is going to be fantastic. Now, uh, something very different but important to women is makeup. And I'm going to bring you now this interview I did with the Charlotte Tilbury. I think a lot of you will know her, but some of you might not. Um, before I tell you a bit more about Charlotte, I just want to remind you about the Style Summit in Brown Thomas, which is where I met Charlotte Tilbury. Uh, they've all sorts of brilliant events um, that have been happening and we have tickets to give away to some of them and we hope that you're going to email us so that you can go along. Now the first event at the Style Summit that is actually very short notice but if you email me today uh, you could be in with the chance of going. Emma Thatcher and Philippa Bloom um, are going to be at the Style Summit and also, we are twin set. They're teaming up for an evening talking all things new season style. They have thousands of followers between them and they're two of Instagram's most followed and liked people. It's going to be a great night, champagne reception, goodie bags and excellent fashion advice. So just email us at thewomenspodcast at irishtimes.com. That's thewomenspodcast at irishtimes.com. And tell us why you want to go tonight. It's at 5.30 now, so you need to get in quick. And if you can't make that event, we do have tickets for other events, which I'm going to tell you about now. For example, this Saturday, Amelia Liana is a London fashion and beauty blogger. She's got over half a million Instagram followers. So she's going to be at the Style Summit together with Giorgio Armani Cosmetics, Lancome and YSL. And they're going to host a makeup and skincare class with Amelia. Um, and it's, she's a fashion, beauty, travel and lifestyle influencer. She's the whole lot. And that's at 2pm on Saturday. 
the 29th of September. Now it clashes with the March for Choice but look you can make the choice and if you want tickets for that email the women's podcast at irishtimes.com A couple of the other events that if you email me we might be able to get you a ticket for Violet X Estee Lauder and that's Saturday the 6th of October um, This is a chance to experience the new makeup collection from Estee Lauder Global Beauty Director Violet She's a French makeup artist turned social media superstar and that will be another great event that's Saturday the 6th of October and then the other ones to really look forward to are Sarah Harris who's British Vogue's deputy editor and she's going to reveal the key to her modern elegant style and she really is a bit of a style icon that's on Wednesday 10th of October and the one that I'm most looking forward to is Mary Greenwell and Sally Hughes uh, on Thursday the 11th of October. The iconic makeup artist and Laura Mercier ambassador Mary Greenwell who actually was a bit of a mentor to Charlotte Tilbury. She joins beauty expert and journalist Sally Hughes to discuss her hugely influential career in the industry. That's on Thursday the 11th of October. Now if you're interested in any of those events we do have some tickets um, and you can email the women's podcast at irishtimes.com. So email me today, don't delay. And thanks very much to Brian Thomas for partnering with us for their brilliant Style Summit. Now, Charlotte Tilbury. She was born in London, England, to artist Lance Tilbury and luxury production manager Patsy Dodd. She and her parents moved to Ibiza when she was nine months old. And when she was 13, she moved back to London to attend boarding school. And that's when she started to experiment with makeup. She attended the Glauco Rossi School of Makeup and she began in her career assisting Mary Greenwell, as I mentioned, um, who became a bit of a mentor. Now, Charlotte Tilbury since then has worked all over the world for every single famous person you can care to mention. She did a great presentation at the Style Summit and I swear the number of names she dropped was was unreal. So she she's worked with everyone, Giselle Bunchkin, uh, Kim Kardashian, Kate Moss, oh, the list goes on and on. Um, she introduced her own line of makeup a few years ago and it has just taken off. Um, if you haven't heard of Pillow Talk Lipstick, well, Uh, then you must not be interested in makeup because it kind of became this instantly iconic project. Now, you're going to hear her talk about some of her products, but also just about her life in makeup and how makeup can give women confidence, which is something that's often trivialised, even though for many people, just that idea that you put on a bit of lipstick and you feel a bit better and how important it is for women's lives. So you're going to hear her talk about that and also about her magic cream, which I have to say I've been using lately and people are saying, I look rested. Now, I love hearing things like that. It's it's nice. I prefer rested to anything else. I don't want to be necessarily beautiful, but the idea that someone just thinks I've had a good night's sleep is, is really good. Um, and it makes a change from people saying I look tired. Top life tip, never tell anyone they look tired. You might think it's a sympathetic, empathic thing to say, but it's not. It's just really annoying. Don't tell people that they look tired. I met Charlotte at the Brown Thomas Style Summit and I also had lunch with her in very fancy Glover's Alley. Uh, She's a really impressive business person and actually just great crack. Remember, if you want to go to the Style Summit, email and tell me why you need a bit of a boost, why you'd like to go and drink champagne on the roof of Brown Thomas on Grafton Street. We're hoping to give as many listeners as we can the chance to enjoy the Style Summit and thank you very much again to Brown Thomas for partnering with us in this. But for now, here she is. Makeup queen, Charlotte Tilbury. Thank you very much for talking to me for the women's Thank podcast. you so much for being here and are you listening to me talk about my passion, makeup. Yeah. Um, you are really passionate. And you started off this presentation today. It was very interesting. You were talking about how some people try to sort of minimise it. Or I think it was your dad or somebody going, oh, it's just makeup. I'm yeah. really interested to hear your view on 
why it's important to so many women and why, in a way, in the world, is it something that's kind of put down and minimised and made to look like it's very trivial? It's not trivial. It is a very, I think makeup is, is, is a very serious, wonderful, beautiful, amazing, powerful thing. And, you know, as I said before, it is, you know, it, if you look in the mirror and you look good and you feel good and it's all about you it's not about anyone else it's about you and how you feel about yourself we all wake up in the morning we could have dry skin exhausted skin bags spots whatever it is and you know just being able to kind of I've even seen people when you just get rid of any tiredness just tiredness off their faces and their energy goes up now what is that what is that psychology of makeup is that is that a placebo effect what is that but i'm telling you it is measured and now harvard and stanford and universities like this around the world are being able to measure that people trust people more they will pay them more they fancy them more they will feel better their energy levels go up now it's because it's about how we are very pictorial people as human beings. We judge ourselves all the time. We judge others by the way that we look because it's one of our senses. We look and it's what we do. And makeup is not about masking. Makeup is about bringing out and haloing your beauty. That is all is there. They, you know, my father's an artist and actually, you know, he's like, wow, these, these, he, he just, he understands, you know, what makeup does and, and the, the power of, you know, contrasting colour and shade and light and contouring and all these things and putting certain colours on the face, what it does for the face. But I think for him it was just sort of like, wow, you've created a, a brand where people are kind of evangelical about it. They sort of go, oh, my God, you helped me change my life because I've made these products sort of... I've taken this kind of very red carpet... Um, sort of VIP world and sort of supermodel world that I come from and democratised it in these easy to choose and easy to use really beautiful products that make it easy for everyone to do makeup, you know? You um, also must be aware as well because you talk about a lot the Instagram filters and the way people present themselves which is often very not real and you you know you're not talking about masking you're talking about bringing out people's beauty but is there any concerns that you have with with the way young women today are particularly like looking at these things and and you know changing themselves in ways that are very to to conform to something and very uniform and not necessarily being their individual beautiful selves I mean I think you know what I think everyone should just celebrate who they are and feel great about themselves and whatever form that comes in that's fine by me I don't you know I'm not a great believer in surgery I think you know what I love about makeup is that it just enhances the most beautiful version of you it, and um, you know I don't want to change you it's you you know it's the best version of you um, and I think that's what's so fabulous about makeup and it really is you know it's just that it's a halo effect of the power the beauty power that it gives you and the confidence why I love it so much is it gives people it makes people happy makeup makes people happy it makes them that's hard for people to understand isn't it it, 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 who don't use makeup. Don't use makeup. And you know what? Actually, they could look back those people through history because there's a thing called the lipstick index, which I'm sure you know about. In times of recession, they've actually proven that people would rather go without food sometimes to buy a lipstick. And I know it's a quite a controversial thing to say, but it's true. It even got coined on the... the, the um, the lipstick index, uh, when they basically, you know, it, it got called that it's during, I mean, on the um, NASDAQ or whatever it is, the, the, stock, the stock exchange, um, because people, it, in times, it makes them happy. A little bit of lipstick, it's not expensive, but it just puts a bit of joy back into it. It makes them feel, you know, Elizabeth Taylor came up with that saying, you know, it's like, put, you know, pour yourself a drink, put on some lipstick and pull yourself together. It's that kind of, you know, act of sort of, you know, and I give 
money to a, a charity. I'm a, an ambassador for a charity called Women for Women. Um, and we did a collaboration with Hot Lips with them, some of my celebrities. And they are all about, you know, they said that when these women go through these terrible times sometimes, you know, in these kind of war-torn um, places that they, they go and help, that one of the things that they ask for after they've given them a skill is is lipstick because it's like, it's that, it's, it's that empowerment, bringing their kind of femininity back, their power back. And... Um, you know, Winston Churchill famously, um, you know... He, I love that we're bringing Winston Churchill into this. Uh, we are bringing Winston Churchill into it. Do you know what he did? He continued the production of makeup during the war because he saw the effect that it was had the morale it was having on the women and therefore the troops and therefore the country. So that's how powerful lipstick is. And Sally Hughes has her beauty banks and is giving uh, beauty products to women who, you know, can't afford it, which is a wonderful thing. Which is an amazing thing. Amazing thing. I think, well, I don't know if we've contributed yet or well, we are contributing, but absolutely amazing thing. I'm going to bring you just a couple of questions from listeners to the Women's Podcast, because when I asked, do any, does anybody have questions for you? There was like a brilliant response, yes. which is great. But I just, before I bring you the questions, just wanted to ask you about your own earliest memories of makeup and your earliest memories of, of a sort of, doing that kind of decoration on yourself and how it made you feel and when you think back to the sort of very beginning what was it that entranced you I think I loved seeing you know the fascination I was always fascinated by a woman entering a room and the power of her beauty and why why were more people attracted to her why were people more drawn to her why was I more drawn to her why you know what was it and like I said to you before studying people's eyelashes the flutter of their eyelash the kind of the the contour of their cheekbone the, the shape of their faces and I think looking at that and then being able to apply some of that DNA that I'd sort of sourced for so long, well, I, I realised, OK, you know, Greta Garbo's eyelashes do a certain thing, Marilyn Monroe's shape of high, the way she, her eye sort of cascades up and then down, that kind of slightly bedroomy eye that she has. You know, I suddenly realised, oh, you can take a bit, of, you can steal a bit of that magic and you can apply it to your face and you can give yourself a little, you know, you can really transform your face with makeup and... And you can enhance it and transform it. So you can go as, you know, the, the, the gambit is wide. And I loved being able to steal a, bit of, steal a bit of that DNA and being able to give myself a Hollywood flutter. Who knew? I thought I had these pasty, you know, sort of pale, spindly lashes. And then I discovered the most amazing mascara. And then you just suddenly start kind of, you know, and suddenly you have this flutter of lashes and suddenly your eyes have depth. And, you know, being able to kind of, you know, feline flicks to elongate your eyes. Suddenly your eyes can look so much longer. Your cheekbones can look more lifted. Your skin can look more radiant. Your nose can look more lifted. Your lips can look bigger. Your eyebrows can look stronger. Your eyes can look more mesmerising. For me, it was amazing. That moment of transformation and then the world and the way that it reacted to me was like, was, you know, I told you it was a bit of a shock at the beginning. It was like, okay, I know I look good, but my God, these people are really reacting quite differently to me. And I didn't realise, you know, before I was a little bit disappointed that really through the power of makeup, it's that much of it. You're going to be that much nicer to me. You're going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to have be that much more popular. And I, you know, I think I didn't realise before because I thought, you know, well, I thought I was popular and I thought I looked pretty. But, you know, then you realise, oh, okay, okay, it's a, it's a slightly different thing. Do you have any friends who don't wear makeup? Mm. Do you know what? No, darling. They can't be my friend. 
Brilliant. Okay, I'm going to ask you a couple of the questions yeah. that. Um, so well, this, if, they, if, they, if they don't, I will convert them in five minutes. Uh, yeah. like, I know. You know I what? actually believe that you are a bit like Jesus in that way. Um, so this is from Irene, and Irene yeah. is asked: As someone who finds that makeup gives me confidence on my darkest days, what does Charlotte feel makeup does for women's psyche, and what are her own feelings on that from feedback uh, from clients? So it's about that kind of emotional response. Giving her confidence. I love hearing that makeup gives her confidence and makes her happy in her darkest days because if if that's you know I, I have a YouTube channel and definitely lots of people say that sometimes when they're feeling nervous or a bit down or whatever they they say that I my voice makes them calm who knew but you know that that the, and just it's there's something very empowering about the makeup tutorials and all the rest of it and I think my god if that's what we can do in this world to empower men and women to feel like the most beautiful versions of themselves and if that brings they bring their best game and their kind of their happiness every single day you all you have to do is change one woman and you can change a world so that woman you know in her darkest moments might have you know might watch that make a tool and make her bring back her confidence and make her remember you know what you're amazing you're brilliant you can do this we all have our knocks in life and then if she changes then the people around her or her family will have a knock-on it has a knock-on chain effect to everyone so the fact that makeup at the core of it can equal happiness and bring happiness to people's lives is a very magical, wonderful thing. And it's the reason I created this brand and it's the reason I do what I do. I am incredibly blessed to be able to give people and receive and do, do that. for me. It's a gift. It's an absolute gift. I think Irene will be very happy with that answer. Um, this is from Mary Louise. If you had just five minutes before you had to be out the door, what essential uh, makeup or tricks would you recommend? So this is a really five quick minutes. five minutes. Okay, five minutes. Okay, uh, quickly shove on the magic cream really fast. Um, get a beach stick. One of my beach sticks. You can just literally kind of rub those on your cheeks. I would get one of my colour comedian pencils um, in either, I like Bonds Garnet because I've got green eyes or amber haze. And literally draw a crayon around your eyes, smudge it, done. And then I would put a bit of pillow talk on my lips, out the door. Pillow talk is kind of a phenomenon, isn't it? It is. It's a phenomenon. Pillow talk is a phenomenon. I mean, you know, or bonga, or walk of shame. They're all kind of colours that really kind of suit everyone, make everyone look really pretty. But literally, a slick of lipstick, a bit of a beach stick. Um, If I really had no time, I would either use, um, I might use Healthy Glow, kind of like, because it's a moisturiser and it makes you look like a tinted moisturiser, so it makes you look really healthy at the same time. A bit of a magical way. I mean, you, I cannot do, I mean, that you just... That, a bit of magic away underneath your eyes, around your nose, anywhere, boom, it takes one second and your skin looks perfect. So, literally, that would probably be less than a five-minute makeover. That's like probably four and a half minutes, yeah. maybe. Um, okay, and this is the last question from Fiona. I don't want to be contoured like a Kardashian. There's a bit of controversy there, isn't there? Some people think, and you, you mentioned it a bit earlier, yeah. you can look like you've been yeah. in a fight or yeah. a bit muddy yeah. or something. <laughs> a bit muddy, <laughs> I love that one. But uh, she wants to be some, somewhat on trend. As a 40-plus female, how can my makeup look modern without looking ridiculous? And I think this is something a lot of people would relate yeah. to because, you know, you get older, like I'm 46, yeah. I think I'm 46, I forget yeah. what age I am, but do you know what I mean? And it's kind of, you don't, it doesn't necessarily go away that, that need or want to kind of put some makeup on, put a red lipstick on. Yeah. But at the same time, there I is a sense, you look, you look around and you're kind of going, oh, am I, you know, am I doing too much? And is this wrong? And is this the, on the right age? There's a, there's a bit of feeling of judging yourself like when you get to a certain age yeah. of, of that. I, I, listen, contouring, I think actually, that, you know, it's all about, it's not about contouring, it's about the product, right? If, that's what I was saying to you, those um, amazing, the beauty light wand and the contour wand, they're soft gels. They're never going to make you look like you've been... Uh, 
tangoed or, or punched or, you know, like, or muddy or whatever. It's just soft. It's all about the softness. It's about, it's about texture, not overdoing it. I think when you see people with a lot of makeup on heavy at a certain age, it's aging, right? But it's about the texture. Now, I really believe that also you could do beautiful eyes, beautiful skin. You can use, you know, uh, I mean, in terms of my Hollywood flawless filter just makes you look younger, more youth boosted, soft focus pores, lines, everything just makes you look really young so you know that's actually putting you know a complexion booster on your skin that's making you look younger again eyeshadows can make you look younger but it's about the right texture the right color and it's about as you get older you do need to change your makeup wardrobe and and, and alter your look but that's why you know we've got these amazing makeup artists that are there and you know classic things like the jennifer aniston Gigi Hadid look like the kind of um golden goddess you know sort of inspired look those sort of girls that look it's kind of a classic you don't it's sort of one of those neutral ones where it's not a red statement lip or a or a a kind of cerise pink lip it's just one of those very pretty soft neutral looks to be honest with you ageless do you know what i mean you could wear that forever and no one would feel you're safe to play in that in that zone golden goddess suits everyone from literally 18 to 80 yeah, you're a very good salesperson, I have to say. <laughs> I know my stuff. I know my stuff. I would only say it's kind it, of mesmerizing. I'm an expert at what I do. Um, like, a couple more things I just wanted to ask you, just based on um, your talk tonight. You yeah. mentioned spiritual things yeah. a little bit, and I, I felt like with a lot of what you were talking about around the design of things yeah. and the look of things and the way things are positioned, that that seems to be quite important yeah. to you. Yeah. Would you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. There's um, I we, we talked about you know people kind of feeling empowered. In um, a beauty editor gave me a note when I was struggling as a makeup artist when I was about 19, and it said, "Knock it to them, Charlotte. I know you'll be a star." And it had a hand-drawn star. And actually, inside, and when I was feeling a bit kind of down, like trying, you know, it's, it was a recession when I was starting out being that kind of confidence to kind of go out there when you're cold calling people like no no and then something breaks for you and just continuing to persist and believe in what you do and believe in your dream because my whole thing I always say is we're bottling dreams we're selling dreams and we're helping dreams come true that's what makeup is the beginning of a journey and inside all of my packaging I've got an etched star either on the mirrors or the palettes or inside the boxes because I believe that the halo effect of the makeup does is it brings out and makes your star shine. So there's, there's, a, there's a message there. I also have healers, which I won't talk about now, but amazing people who bless the products and the products are all blessed because I just feel like if, if there's a magic that you could just paint on your face of just making you feel good and happy, then that's a wonderful magic that goes on to the world and, and bringing out that star. So there's like, and there's a bit of... Um, sacred geometry and the kind of you know uh the the starburst and all of those things it's just it's all about light and and rays of happiness and, and then just one more question you are you know a lot of famous people you must have dropped around twenty thousand names there tonight <laughs> i was loving it i was thinking oh my god all those famous friends with among that sort of cohort that whole me too movement has happened recently and a lot of things like that yeah. have you had a sort of you know views on it um you know about well, what's going on in terms of women speaking up and women not putting up with stuff that they perhaps in the past did that there's a kind of uh, an mean, ability for them to speak out now yeah I've always been about empowerment of women that's always been my message before this whole thing it's very very ingrained in this brand so for me it's just like well this has always been my message no one should put no one in the world male or female should put up with something they don't want to do and they should feel empowered enough to be able to do it and I don't only speak for women I speak for men too I think no one should have to go through anything they don't want to be in a situation I think I'd love to see more 
business women out there. I love that I'm sort of leading a charge in the way as an entrepreneur, female, and in the business world. I think it is dominated by a lot of men and I would you know not that I don't want and I adore men but it's just I think it should be a bit more equal um so I think you know maybe it's gone a bit too far um but I think that you know it's it's all about it will you know it's it's, a, it's just about the world being a bit more equal and you know when you say it's gone a bit too far what do you mean I just think that um it's you know, these things, maybe the pendulum swings a bit kind of one way or the other. Not that I want to judge or even say anything because I'm like very pro anyone who's gone through anything terrible. You know, I just think I don't want to castigate men who haven't done anything. You know, I think if someone's done something bad, they should be, you know, um, they should be, you know, they shouldn't be allowed to do badly. I don't believe in anyone behaving badly. They shouldn't be allowed to behave badly. Well, I think it's lovely the way you talk about men and women and the yeah. fact that you're about all of that. And actually, um, it's really interesting the growth in the men's makeup market. Exactly. Are you, is it something that you want to actually get into? I really, really <laughs> think that I believe in men and makeup. And I believe in the, the amount of celebrities that, that wear my magic cream, the amount of my husband, even, and all of them kind of like, you know, the big palm inside the kind of this, the, one of the kind of bathroom chats that I hear a lot from women. They're like, oh my God, he's stolen my magic cream again. And today, with all the lovely Irish shades, they're telling me, yeah, my husband does steal my magic cream. Um, so, yes, it, I, I do believe, you know, what? Well, why shouldn't they look good? Why should, you know, when they're hungover or tired or exhausted and they've got bags, you know, a little bit of magic away, a little bit of, you know, um, magic cream. I mean, so many of the Hollywood stars use it. And, and, you know, Justin Theroux's a big fan and loads of them. I mean, some of them openly sort of talk about how much they love my skincare and, and a bit of their makeup. But it's, no, it's fantastic. I totally believe in that. And I think... Well, we're very happy you're back in Ireland. And thank you very much for talking to us um, and sharing your wisdom and beauty knowledge with everybody. Thank you so much. And I adore the Irish. You know, I'm nearly half Irish. I am half Irish, basically. My grandmother was Irish and my father's Irish. And the I rest have to ask you where your grandmother was from because everyone will be wondering. Kilkenny. Kilkenny, there we go. So you're one of us, Charlotte Tilbury. I am one of you. I'm like, look where it came from, the red hair and the green eyes. Exactly, all the genetic genes landed in me. <laughs> and Irish people love your products, it has oh, to be said. They're mad for them. I adore the Irish. Adore, adore. They've just so much fun. And so, and so, do you know what I think? I think I, every time I've been here and every time I've been, I think Irish women have the most beautiful eyes in the whole world. And that is for coming from a face expert. They have these incredible insane green eyes insane blue eyes and the the shape of the of the of the iris is just huge it's just it, they're really mesmerizing and obviously beautiful skin and i mean they are very gorgeous yes i have to say i love the virus <laughs> thank you very much thanks a lot thank you that was the amazing charlotte tilbury and uh yeah the magic cream it's lovely a little bit pricey but i have to say as someone who's been using it for a bit of a while now I would highly recommend it and it's it's worth the money. I uh, hope you enjoyed this episode. Remember, you can listen to us wherever you find your podcasts. And if you want to go to iTunes and give us a review, it all helps. And of course, tell all your friends that this is the best podcast in the world. Because uh, maybe it is. This is the Irish Times Women's Podcast. I'm Roisin Ingle. We'll talk to you next time. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.